20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Mike Willen, Tyler Grezegorek, joining me as well from the other side of the country. And we are just a single day away from week one of the NFL regular season. We've had one game in the books officially. The Packers set to take on the Chicago Bears to start their 100th season on Sunday night with Al Michael and Chris Collinsworth on the call on Sunday night football. But before we jump into the Packers and the Bears, don't forget as well to follow Packaday Podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast and like, comment, and subscribe everywhere you can find good podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. And so many more. But a quick update also in the world of some news quickly before we jump into our main topic. Brian Gutekun said during when he got the job that he was going to be looking at making some waiver claims, bringing guys in, shuffling guys around. And that almost happened yesterday when Anthony Zetto was released by the Detroit Lions. And according to uh, reporter Field Yates, four teams laid a claim out. The Packers, the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Cleveland Browns. And those pesky winless Browns cost the Packers a chance at Anthony Zettel. They would have been next up in the line for the waiver claims. So Tyler turned to you. What would you have thought of Zettel if he had been coming to Green Bay? You know, Zettel to, to me has always been a quality player. I mean, he hasn't been a guy that's been terrible. Hasn't been a guy that's been amazing, but he's a guy that goes out there and does his job. And I think it speaks to the fact of his quality of play. The fact that both the Packers and the Vikings tried to get a claim in on him when they see him twice a year. I agree, and I was surprised more that also he got cut by Detroit because he looked pretty solid in years past. But either way, luckily also, I guess, for for Packers fans, Zettel is no longer an issue. He is over in Green Bay East, also known as Cleveland, and is going to be suiting up for the Browns this year as they try and revamp their roster and try to improve on last year's 0-16 season. Yeah, there must be something about his, his play style and his skill set that appeals to the Packers personnel, considering... You know, the Browns perched, I'm sorry, poached, not perched, poached all of the Packers uh, front office staff this past offseason. And then you have Green Bay also putting a claim in on him. So there must be something that, you know, the scouting staff is teaching that Zettel was putting on display for them. And I agree with that 100%. I think I think he'll be a solid addition. He'll be a great backup for guys like Miles Garrett and help just provide some good depth for Cleveland as they try and slowly earn their way back to relevancy. But as we turn now toward the big game this week, Packers-Bears against Sunday Night Football. And we, we they had some full, full predictions yesterday from Andrew and crew, but we're going to do some full predictions later on in this episode as well. But first, we want to take a look at some of the key matchups that are going to be occurring on Sunday night between the Packers and Bears. And they're, they're fairly broad, but we'll go into more detail as we go on. I think we each have three matchups, or two and a half. We'll have our last one kind of combined. So, Tyler, I'll turn to you. What's your first key matchup between the Packers and the Bears on Sunday night? Well, surprise, surprise, it involves Khalil Mack. So I'm going to be watching how the Bears try to cause mismatches on the edges of this offensive line group with Leonard Floyd. And depending on how much Khalil Mack actually plays, you know, his utilization as well. Kind of kind of seeing how Brian Bulaga jumps into the game after you know, his limited playing time since the recovery from his torn ACL. I briefly touched on this in an earlier episode this week with Nick, but I think, you know, 
the Bears are going to test that ACL out and its recovery. And I I think that's going to be one of the key matchups this week. You know, if Belaga can hold his own, I think that this offense is going to have absolutely no reason to not be successful this week. And I agree. And I think another thing to keep in mind is how uh, Vic Fangio moves guys around between Mack and Leonard yeah. Floyd. Because Floyd's exactly. playing with a club on his hand, so he's not, he's going to have the Nick Perry treatment in a way. Mm. So we'll see how that works, whether they move him over to Belagas where he can be a little use a little more rips against the the slower tackle compared to like David Bakhtiari, who has some of the best feet in football. And that might made that so we may see a little more Cleo Mack as well moving over toward the left tackle and moving him around. Because Fangio is miles ahead of whoever he played under in Oakland as well. So I think Mack will be a, an interesting chess piece to see at how the Bears move him around over the course of that game as well. Well, if you remember Julius Peppers during his time in Chicago, he wasn't necessarily there when Fangio was, but the way that they used him was he primarily played off the edge, but he'd move inside, he'd stand up, he'd put his hand in the dirt. like He, he kind of did everything they needed him to do uh, out of that position, and he was, he was a guy that needed to be identified before the play could start. I agree, and I think similar, even even further back, guys like Alex Brown were the same way. I think how Fangio uses these guys is going to be huge, and also then how James Camp, it helps the offensive line adjust to that and how they get their line calls right, especially since the starters really haven't played together yet in preseason or training camp due to injuries and just trying to keep guys safe during preseason. So really the first time those five will be together is going to be Sunday night. So that'll be – the communication there is going to be huge. Yeah, Corey Lindsley's role in this offense on Sunday is not going to be understated. He's going to be critical – in identifying possible stunts or just overload blitzes, you know, linebacker blitzes, safety blitzes, whatever. Him and Rodgers are really going to have to be in good communication terms, I guess, and they're going to have to be on the same page, uh, making sure that they're identifying things, getting the protection set, calling over a chip block if they need it, getting the running back set for pass pro if that's what needs to be done. You know, just the little things that are going to win you a football game. No, I agree, and and so as I turn to my uh, next my key matchup to keep an eye on, it's going to be similar. It's going to be I'm going to keep it with the with the offensive line for the Packers, but it's going to be those three interior guys going to be Taylor McRae and Lindsley, and how they're going to match up with uh, Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. Goldman just got a new contract on Friday, uh, four years. I think it was forty two million dollars is the details of it. So he's going to be getting well. Kenny Clark will be getting in a couple years as well. But oh, Akeem Hicks, he's been talking a big game so far this week as well. He, he's he been the bulletin board uh, saying that he doesn't see any way the Packers can block Khalil Mack. He sees the line wreaking havoc and really giving some motivation. But he is also a very good player in his own right. And with Justin McCray now finally getting that a chance at that full-time starting role, he knows what spot he's going to be in. Lane Taylor was banged up a little bit in preseason. And Corey Lindsley is steady, and he's been a solid player. It's going to be interesting to see how Hicks and Goldman can try and shoot the gaps and try and maybe cause some problems in the backfield for a team with only two running backs and a quarterback coming off injury. Well, according to Steve Young off of ESPN, the Packers plan to block people. So, <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That's hard-hitting analysis. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. I'm... Like you know, like we've been discussing, I expect Fangio to be fairly creative and possibly even exotic with his blitz, his blitz packages and formations, and where he's coming from with pressure. So we're gonna see, I believe, not a dink and dunk offense. You know, it is Aaron Rodgers back there, so he always tries to do the 
he tries to maximize every single situation, and sometimes it can lead to plays that weren't necessarily scripted or planned. And I think the game plan from McCarthy and Philbin is going to involve a lot of short, quick passes just to get the ball out of his hands because, man, if we're sitting here at a desk on a Friday afternoon and we can predict that there's going to be pressure, I'm pretty sure McCarthy's thought about it. So I'm expecting to see pressure, and I expect them to try to counter it with you know chip blocks, the pass pro from the running back, chip, uh, quick passes, stuff like that. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think McCarthy is going to be planned for everything. I think we're going to see a lot of screens as well with, with guys like Ty Montgomery, who's going to be kind of that chess piece to move around and who has had a history of having big games against the Bears. And I think they're going to – I also think Rodgers is going to try and use their aggressiveness, uh, especially Akeem Hicks, because he has a tendency to kind of jump into the neutral zone and maybe try and get that quick half-second start, maybe draw some offsides penalties, some encroachment-type plays, and then also get the guys off balance by a lot of misdirection type. We may see a lot of play action, a lot of – a lot of out routes to the tight end. The Richard Rodgers special just with better athletes than Richard Rodgers out there making plays. And I think I think it's going to be a key. I think it's going to be a quick, high, up-tempo type game and try and get those guys tired and also keep them on their toes so they can't quite push into the backfield with their strength. Yeah, and one thing that's going to be in a, uh, something that Rodgers is going to have to adapt to this year is that, that rule change where when the player jumps into the neutral zone, there's no longer a free play. And that makes me really sad because I loved those plays. I thought it was fantastic. The fact, the way that him and McCarthy could gain so many free opportunities at a big play, it was just, it was masterful. And it's going to be in a, uh, something for them to adapt to this year to not have that ability. Yeah, it happened, I think, once during the opening game on Thursday night. I think they let it go once, but ended up being dumped off short and complete. But most of the times, yeah, they blew it dead. Which I know, I know Aaron's talked about it before, and he has he's been very vocally against that rule because it's he's supposed to be blown dead only if it's unabated. So if he just kind of flinches it, I feel like it should they should keep the play going. Mm-hmm. And even if he touches a lineman, lineman, you just push him over and you just keep playing football. But that'll be you're right. That'll be an interesting adjustment, and it's going to be interesting to see how the line adjusts and how Aaron Rodgers can adjust. To avoid to play like that because that could take some more big plays out of the out of the a team that at times has struggled with those with those big chunk plays in years past. Yeah, this this year it might actually be kind of different because they actually have a lot of speed at the receiving group which they have not had in years past. And I believe that if Rodgers and McCarthy see the ability to stretch the field with some speed, that they will definitely take advantage of that opportunity, and that could open up a lot of things this year uh, as far as big plays wise and. The Packers receivers are some of the best at run after the catch. So, you know, we could see big days for guys like Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams because of that reason. Yeah, no, there's no doubt the speed will play help. If they can run guys deep just once or twice like MVS or Trevor Davis and get them going, that'll help a lot as well. So I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on for the way the offense works. But as we turn back to our matchups, we have a quick update as well. In the injury report, the Packers just released their official Friday injury report. Safety Josh Jones has been ruled out for Sunday's game with an ankle injury. And inside linebackers Oren Burks and James Crawford are both questionable to play. So that seems pretty promising for the Packers to come into a game, for the most part, pretty healthy all year. But for our second matchup, Tyler, I'll turn to you. You have some interesting ones for us. Yeah, uh, I briefly touched on Randall Cobb. I think he is in line for a big day. I'm not going to go very much into it because they talked 
extensively about Cobb on yesterday's episode. So if you want to listen to that, go ahead and go back and listen to that episode. But I think that Randall Cobb versus the slot corner of the Chicago Bears, I believe it's going to be Bryce Callahan. I think Randall Cobb is in for a big day, and I'm going to be watching that matchup all day to see if Bryce Callahan can match up with the quickness and the savvy that Cobb brings to the position. That that should be a very interesting matchup as well. And at the very least, he should be better at guarding the end zone than Chris Connie was a few years ago. But and Cobb has a knack for having big games against division foes, and he has a tendency to get open even more against teams like the Bears, who who really like to pin their ears back and kind of get after the passer, especially with guys like Khalil Mack up over there now. So there might be a little more of Callahan on an island against Cobb, and I think at that point he's not much of a match for the route running that Randall has. And I think as long as Aaron can look to him a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit sooner, and I think we're going to see a lot of Devontae Adams matched up against Kyle uh, Fuller as well, and that could be an interesting one too. But I think the way that Cobb can move around and can be used in the backfield and can be the guy who's on either side of the ball, either side of the line, I think is going to help a lot. Or he's out of formation, actually, is going to help a lot matching up against a guy like Callahan who has to kind of mirror him and kind of, I guess, follow him around to see what he can do to stop the, the multifaceted aspects of Cobb's game. Well, and one interesting thing, I can't remember exactly where I saw this or read this, or but uh, Kyle Fuller is actually one of the corners that gave up some of the most yards after catch in the entire NFL. And for a team that pretty much relies on that that portion of their passing game i mean rogers can make otherworldly and amazing things happen but a large chunks a large chunks of these yards come from run after the catch yardage and i just the secondary for the bears in my opinion is just not not up to par with the ability that is going to be needed to stop these packers receivers on sunday night so i just think in general the packers receivers are in for a big night no, I agree, and that ties into my next matchup. It's going to be uh, Jimmy Graham, who how he matches up against both Danny, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, who will probably both see time trying to cover him. Uh, Smith, who missed a lot of camp in a contract dispute, mostly about language, about suspension and fine money. He's, he is with the team, but he may. I don't know. If, we don't know how football ready he is to play extensive snaps in the middle. So that leads Danny Trevathan to probably take the most of them. Of course, Javathan known most now as the guy who almost murdered Devontae Adams last year. But how they match up with Graham in the middle of the field, I think is going to be huge because Aaron Rodgers has not had a matchup, matchup mismatch like Jimmy Graham in his career. Uh, Finley was probably the closest, but even then, he Finley didn't quite have the vertical or the just that natural up the same ability that Graham has. And we saw them work extensively trying to find that connection during training camp and in the one drive they did in the preseason in Pittsburgh. But I think Graham is going to be a key to opening everything up. If he can hold down the middle of the field and draw attention from guys like Smith, Andrew Ethan, even even the back end like Eddie Jackson and, and Amos, that opens everything up on the outside for Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and Ty Montgomery and Geronimo and maybe some of the rookies that they get in the game. So I think how Graham can manipulate the linebacking core for the Bears and with his routes and with his maybe a little bit of a decoy plays that he might be in is going to go a long way to seeing how the offense can control. Yeah, I definitely think that Graham's value to this offense is much more tangible or a much more intangible than it is tangible just because of the the presence that he provides on this team. And touching on the Roquan Smith thing real quick, 
linebackers tend, tend, tend to take a couple years to adjust to the speed of the NFL game. And for a rookie linebacker to miss an entire offseason program and a majority of the training camp and preseason, I, I'm not so confident he's going to have a good year this year. And I think I'm going to give you a bold prediction before we do our bold predictions, but I think Roquan Smith could easily have a down year this year. And he's going to cause fans to be turned off because I feel like he's going to struggle. Uh, he's not going to be up to speed. He, he's going to be thrown into the flames, and he's not going to be able to adapt. So I, I think we could start to see that on Sunday night. No, I agree. I do think it takes some linebackers a little bit of time to get going. I think missing time, especially with Smith, is going to hurt him a little bit. And, and now having a split time with Trevathan will be an interesting uh, facet. So And then it, we'll, we'll listen to our, our last matchups. And we both kind of are on the same boat here. We both have a corner receiver uh, matchup. I have Jair Alexander matched up with Taylor Gabriel in the slots. And you have uh, King and Tremont Williams against uh, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. Yes, so I'm very interested to see who they put on Allen Robinson. We know Allen Robinson is just a physical specimen. Uh, I don't have his exact measurements in front of me, but he's a big-bodied receiver. He's going to be able to bully smaller corners. Uh, I you know, immediately go to Kevin King covering him, but I mean, Jermaine Williams is not a tiny corner by any means. Plus, he's got that veteran savvy to him. Allen Robinson is also coming off of a, an ACL tear. So I'm kind of seri- I'm kind of curious where he's going to be. And then you talked about Jair Alexander on Taylor Gabriel. Speed is one thing that killed this defense in the past. And I think that for the first time in a long time, I am not as worried about the speed in our secondary due to the talent of Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander coming in. Uh, Kevin King, hopefully at full health for once. I, I think we could finally see a turn of the tide as far as that that negative uh, aspect goes. No, I agree. And I remember a couple years ago when Gabriel absolutely torched the Packers and he was with the Falcons. And with Matt Nagy coaching... I won't be surprised to see him use Gabriel a lot like they used Tyreek Hill in Kansas City last year. Yeah, as moving him around, getting him in space, those bubble screens, that's those little type plays that can be just kind of a nightmare matchup for teams that don't have that exceptional speed. But as we've seen during preseason and during camp with Jair Alexander, he is aggressive, he is physical, and he is really good at shadowing those quicker slot guys. So I mm-hmm. think if he can step in and play above his rookie status pretty quickly against a guy like Gabriel, who will be a very, very good test for him. I think that goes a long way toward helping that, that back end kind of redeem itself because even still, a lot, of, a lot of pundits are not looking at the Packers' defense in glowing terms at this point. A lot of people thinking that's still going to be a liability. And, and, and with a lot of young guys, that could be the case yet, but this is the chance for guys like Alexander and Kevin King to kind of make that statement kind of show that the Packers defense is on its way back up with Mike Pettin and with this newfound youth at speed. Well, and another thing, too, you were mentioning a lot, maybe a lot of short, quick passes for Taylor Gabriel to get him into space and to just get the ball in his hands. If Oren Burks is playing on Sunday, that is also another factor to think about when evaluating this defense because he also provides that ability and that dimension of this defense to track those plays down, which is what they didn't have last year. So, 
a lot of different things to like coming into 2018. And you can see for once that it feels like the Packers are trying to change the image rather than just trying to put a Band-Aid over it. And I think that is one of the most intriguing things about this season. Absolutely. And the only thing that makes me a little nervous about Gabriel is you could, they could put Gabriel one slot and treat Cohen in the other one. And then Oren Burks has to kind of pick his poison. And then you have to move Kent, probably Kentrell Bryce up to kind of be that guy too. So it'll be interesting to see how the games go with the sec- between the secondary, the receivers, and the running backs of the Bears. Uh, between a creative defensive genius like Pedden and a creative offensive mind like Nagy, it's going to be very, going to be very fascinating to watch Sunday night. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it's Packers Bears first off, and you know Packers have owned the Bears as of late. I think they're eight and zero in their last eight meetings. But I looked up the stats, uh, the margin, basically the points of margin between the two teams, and in the in those last eight meetings. The Packers have won by an average of 16 points, and they have a total point differential of 133. So McCarthy and Rodgers and even Hundley have had the Bears numbers as of late, and I feel like we're not going to see anything really different uh, on Sunday. I, I agree with you. And so that, so that being said, we'll turn to our bold predictions. And so, and we kept these in the dark from each other to an extent. So for the first bold prediction, Tyler, I'll turn to you. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Well, because we are toting Jair Alexander so much, uh, I actually have a bold prediction that we will see a Jair Alexander interception. And the reason I believe we will see a Jair Alexander interception is because Trubisky is still raw. Uh, He struggles progressing through his reads, and he gets a little panicky sometimes. So, I think we could see another... Alexander interceptions similar similarly to the one we saw against Connor Cook with the Raiders in the third preseason game where he baits Trubisky and Trubisky gets a little you know happy and throws it a little early and Alexander is able to undercut it I feel like we can see something like that on Sunday that is a great prediction I think I think it's a very good chance of happening I was going to one in a similar vein I was, I'll, I'll just quick say that this won't be my actual prediction I was gonna say haha Clinton Dix gets two because Trubisky only completed 11 passes in preseason. He didn't play a lot. And he has a tendency to, uh, to have some overthrows, let the ball let the goal ball a little bit a little bit too early. And very few players thrive on overthrows like HaHa. So I think I think we're kind of in the same vein of Trubisky's going to have some turnover issues. But I think my biggest bold prediction I'm going to have is going to be that this game, the game-turning play will happen in the second quarter on special teams. Uh, whether it's going to be a big return from Trevor Davis or a turnover like we saw on Thursday night with whatever happened in that Philadelphia-Atlanta game. I'm not sure if it was actually football or not. but It was terrible. <laughs> I, th- I do think that special teams will have a huge factor in this game. Uh, whether Again, like whether it's a big return by Davis like we saw against Cleveland last year or whether it's the coverage units, again, led by Trevor Davis for forcing a turnover – uh, same, because I think we'll see Alexander out there a little bit. Josh Jackson will play some special teams. Uh, Raven Green could be a special teams guy. Guys like that will be key as far as shedding blocks and and making those big plays. I think that's going to turn the game on its side, give Green Bay some good field position, and let Aaron either double up or get a quick score and really kind of put the Bears on their heels. Yeah, I definitely think that. I mean, whenever these two teams meet, there's always dramatics and. I definitely see something flaring up here on Sunday, so uh, I just I just can't wait for the game to start, to be honest with you. But um, I'm going to move on to my second bold prediction, and my second bold prediction 
is that the Packers defense will hold the Bears to under 15 points. Now, in two meetings last year, the Packers allowed 31 points in two meetings. So what has happened in the past year? The run defense has pretty much remained the same. You know, sub out Jake Ryan for Antonio Morrison or Corey Toomer, uh, Oren Burks. But the run defense is pretty much the same, if not better. The secondary has gotten astronomically better, I think. And there's a new defensive coordinator. I I honestly believe that this Packers defense is going to shut down the Bears offense on Sunday. And I think under 15 points is, I would take that every day of the week. Yeah, I think that's a good possibility, too. I think especially, again, if they get off to a good start, force Trubisky to kind of get out of his comfort zone, uh, run the, have him throw the ball a little more. Because if they want to try and grind it out with Howard, that could help them a lot. But if they have to make Trubisky throw and kind of air it out, that could cause some big problems for, for Matt Nagy and the Bears. Uh, my mm-hmm. last bold prediction is I'm going to say Nick Perry has more sacks than Khalil Mack at the end of the game. I think... Bobby Massey is a decent right tackle, but he's not great. Perry's healthy. Uh, he's been raring to go. He's He looked pretty solid in the in his limited preseason action in that last game against the Chiefs. And for the first time in, it seems like, 10 years, he's as healthy as he's probably going to be. I think he's going to have a very strong game getting to the backfield and forcing Trubisky off the pocket. And with Khalil Mack, I think there's going to be a lot of rust with him. yet. His conditioning will be a little off. And as we saw from uh, Dusty Evely's film study about a week ago when he was with the Raiders, the Packers tackles have held him up pretty well in his career So in the, in the one game they've played. And I think that'll be more of the same under the lights Lambeau field with the pressure on. They're going to feed off that crowd a little bit. They're going to hold their own. I think Mack's going to have a tough time getting into the backfield. Yeah, I totally agree. I've been saying now for ever since the trade actually happened that – I don't think he's going to be immediately impactful in week one. It might take him a week or two to get back to full Khalil Mack form. Now, Khalil Mack is, he's not human. So his form and his football shape are completely different from somebody else's and most of the players in the NFL. But when you don't play football for how many months has it been? Almost eight months. And then you just try to jump in. Yeah, I'm sure he's been working out. But physical shape, football shape, different things. It's going to take him a little bit to get into the swing of things. Absolutely, nerves. I think it's going to be a, a big thing. As well. I think conditioning is going to come huge, especially when you're a guy who's going to be battling linemen the entire game. So those are some bold predictions. We had some matchup talk, and it's time, I guess, for us to say goodbye for another couple weeks. We'll be back in two Saturdays from now. Don't forget as well, stay tuned tomorrow for Zach Jacobs and, and Matub. They'll give you all the preview you could want for the game, and of course, Packer football Sunday night. They take on the Bears. You can, of course, watch that on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Listen wherever you can find some great radio stations around. If you're in Wisconsin, listen to Wayne and Larry as they bring you the call. It is finally football. If Real football is finally back. And we, of course, are the Packaday Podcast, bringing you all the latest news, analysis, and banter from fans and friends and fans of the green and gold every day, 20 minutes a day, seven days a week. Again, to follow us again on Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Subscribe, uh, rate all of us, uh, all the great things like that on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and the like. Follow Tyler on Twitter. Tyler, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez, T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. And you can follow me as well at Mike Wetland. Uh, check me out on Packers Talk and Dairyland Express. 
where we cover all things Packers and Wisconsin sports as well. So until next time, we'll see we'll talk we'll see the game on Sunday and of course, go Pack Go. Shotgun formation, the third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30, turns up field, 25, cutting right to the 20, 15, 10, 5. Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over, starts to his left. Now he moves, starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's hot, what did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown. One kick away from the NFC Championship game. From the 41, left pass mark, 51 yards, field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick, to the upright, and it is right down the middle, it is good, and the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game! And what a happy bunch of Green Bay Packers!